none of us are programmed for just one thing. And the labor market is going to change over the next two decades. The beauty of the Highlands is that information that you learn about yourself, you can roll forward and morph into other things because your choices that it provides will continuously be updated, but they will always be accurate because your hardwiring isn't going to change. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Marla Brady of Marla Brady Consulting. Marla uses her two-step system while working with students in both high school and college, as well as career professionals to help them thrive and let their natural abilities help shape their future. She uses a number of tools to help these groups, including the Highlands Ability Battery. This assessment helps people measure their natural abilities and identify key elements to consider when evaluating a career or a career change. Well, hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I'm here with Marla Brady from Marla Brady Consulting. Thanks for joining us today, Marla. Larry, thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I was reading about Marla Brady Consulting, and what I understand is that you really try to learn and understand the background and abilities of those you work with, right? Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to start your consulting practice? Sure. I am an educator by training, a teacher and administrator for 31 years. And in that process, got a master's and a doctorate, a doctorate in educational leadership and business performance evaluation, and had a couple of opportunities over my last sort of decade of experience getting sought after by headhunters to do corporate training. And I thought, oh, if they think I can do it, I could probably do this. Well, I had done some consulting with school districts, but nothing outside of that venue. And my husband at the time was suddenly diagnosed with an incurable disease. And in a year and a half, the most healthy individual I'd ever known in my life was gone. Sorry to hear that. Thank you. His mantra was always, life is not a dress rehearsal. And so I got to thinking about that. And I thought, if I'm ever going to jump out there and try this, I need to do it now. I'm young enough, smart enough, energetic enough. I'm going to do it. So I retired from education with 31 years and struck out to start my business. Got a bunch of training. (laughs) And then about a year later, started doing what I've done for the last, I don't know, 11 years and had a ball. I'm sorry to hear what the impetus was, but it seems like you've taken a not so great situation and 
kind of turned it upside down and made it into one that's motivated you and brought you to where you are today. It's an interesting twist because lots of people are in a position of needing to reinvent themselves. And that's basically what I was doing. I was reinventing myself. So can you tell us what you do and how you do it, how Marla Brady Consulting helps people, what your ideal people that you're looking to work with and how you ultimately a 10,000 foot view help them and guide them? Sure. So I work with individuals, high school students, college students, career individuals to help them figure out their next steps. So as you can imagine, what a high schooler is thinking is going to be very different from what a midstream career worker is going to be thinking. Absolutely. So I'm very fortunate that my background in education helped understand student development, but my doctoral work helped me to understand career development work. So it all kind of came together in what I can do now with those diverse groups. And ideally, what are you looking to help each of those groups with? Well, they're all different. High school students are trying to figure out whether they're going to go to college or a trade school. And if so, what are they going to major in? And so that's one piece that I do. College students, it's figuring out sometimes we're up against the wall, sophomore year, got to declare a major. (laughs) (laughs) And so helping them walk through that process. And then with career changers, sometimes it's actually helping them to make a pivot, but sometimes it's helping them to understand the balance of career life and the rest of your life. Because for some people, when they go through, let's say, a Highlands process with me, they discover or they rediscover something that they've done in the past that they no longer do. And then they dig it out. It's kind of like Hans with his guitar or other people that I've gone back and worked with and said, oh, there was a musical background. Why is it not there now? And so we go forward. Now, do you find it difficult? Because like you said, high school student to college student to career changer, much different thought process, much different places in life. Do you find it difficult catering to all three of those? Or do you find that there are some similarities in there? That's a really good question. Because as different as they are, there are similarities. Everybody wants to enjoy what they do. Nobody wants to go to work and dread it. And unfortunately, there's a large percent of the population that's out there, the larger population that is not engaged, that is dissatisfied. But ultimately, everybody wants to be happy in what they do. The other thing is a lot of people feel overwhelmed by how do I go about doing it? How do I figure it out so I don't get it wrong either again or the first time? So those are the two things that I find are are common across all three of those groups of people. Now, you bring up an interesting point, and I think being in the environment we're in where people have a tendency to switch careers, jobs, et cetera, and they're looking for this happiness factor, right? I was just talking to my son the other day, as a matter of fact, and he said, so-and-so's dad is does whatever, and he's miserable, hates it. And he said, why doesn't he just do something else? And I said, you know, there comes a point, unfortunately, it seems like that I call it the point of no return. And that's how I verbalize it to him, where you made this commitment to this career, you're involved in the career, you're successful at it, it's allowing you to provide for your family and provide financially for you, but it may not be the most rewarding situation. And you get to a point where You can't go backwards and figure it out because there are just too many balls in the air that if you try to do that at that point in time, 
that you're going to start dropping some of them. Is there a way to handle that type of situation for somebody effectively without dropping the balls? That's a really good question. And yes, (laughs) because again, sometimes it's the balance of life that you help people bring into a perspective. I had a client that was very high up in one of the very well-known medical institutions in our country. And he knew that in the next five years, he was going to be retiring. So he didn't want to change jobs, but he knew he'd kind of hit the wall. And so we went through the process of figuring out what those next steps would look like and building a five-year plan. But in the meantime, there were things he could do that would capitalize on his after-work hours that would help him to get to a greater position of satisfaction with what he was doing then and now. So we did. And three or four weeks later, I get a phone call. (laughs) He goes, Marla, this was the best thing I've ever done for my marriage in 30 years. (laughs) I was like, wow. And so it was some of those things that we discovered were interests outside of work and building a plan to sort of plug into some of those. So that's similar to like what we hear millennials talk about having a side hustle, right? A lot of them to some degree may be working, right? It may not be the most ideal situation for them, but they're passionate about something else. So they create this side hustle to kind of dip their toe in the water, see if it's something that they can make a living out of. They tend to get more enjoyment, so it keeps them engaged at their regular job, let's say, for lack of a better word. Is that a similar situation to what you're describing here? Here? In some ways, yes. But you touched on a really interesting point when you said the millennials, because there's actually sort of a trend of side hustles, as you said. A few years ago, they would have called it portfolio employment. And it's people who are piecing together other things that perhaps they're interested in or really good at that they can't pay the bills with it right now. But as they build toward that, that's the goal. So, yes. There are similarities. Are people approaching you from a standpoint of obviously are a wealth management firm? And one of the things we talk with clients all the time is about retirement, right? Do you see people coming to you and looking for their next step as far as not something that they need to necessarily put food on the table and pay bills with, but actually like a second career after they're done with their main career just to keep busy? I do. I mean, do you see people approaching you about that? They do. (laughs) They absolutely do. I had this crazy trend a few years ago when the healthcare system went through a big shift and I had sort of a barrage of medical field individuals who came, doctors with 28 years, 30 years, 32 years, who came saying, I just don't want to go down this road. I want to do something else. (laughs) So they do. Everybody wants to fit in and belong. And that doesn't change regardless of our age and whether we're just starting the work world or we're ready to make a shift somewhere along the path. We hear it all the time. I'm sure you do too, how people are retiring later, they're working longer. And the implication there tends to be that they're doing it for monetary reasons. That's kind of the implied purpose of these articles or these pieces. What we're finding is anecdotally is that people are working longer, not because they necessarily need the financial stability and the money to do it, but it's very difficult after working 40 plus hours a week in a profession, in an office environment with people to turn that off, now have 40 plus hours a week to fill. And a lot of people have not done a great job 
because they've been bogged down at work, building the infrastructure and the support system outside of the office in order to support taking up all that free time. So it's almost natural just to find something else to at least take up some of that time. And to some degree, the money aspect is irrelevant. It's just more of the time, the camaraderie and feeling of having a purpose to go to work every day and do something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's I mentioned the Highlands before, and oftentimes in going through that process, people will, as I said earlier, rediscover, oh, I used to play the trumpet. I should get that out again. Or I used to paint or once upon a time. (laughs) And so it's helping them to just sort of go back through the archives and reconnect with what that next step might look like. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit, because I'm not personally familiar and was not familiar with the Highlands Ability Battery. Is that right? That's right. So can you tell us a little bit about what the test is used for and how it's helpful? I mean, you've alluded to it a little bit, but I think I'd like to get a little bit more specific about what exactly it's used for and how it can be helpful to somebody. Okay. So when I retired, it was one of the first things I did was to go through a Highlands. My brother-in-law had suggested that I do that as I start to navigate that path. And I had watched my high school students struggle with their majors. I'd had college students on my campus talking about changing majors. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. So when I went through the Highlands, I was blown away by what the tool could do. And it's a three-hour online assessment that measures natural abilities. So it's not your intellect. It's not a personality test. It is how you're hardwired to respond or to do things. So everything from how we learn and take in information to how we choose to solve problems, how we interact with individuals or small groups or large groups. There's so many different things that it measures. And then all of that goes through an algorithm and basically comes up with recommendations of choices that are actually career fields as we know them right now or in a 10-year projection. And the beauty of it is you could take the test today, you could take it 30 years from now, you'll get the same results. It's tried and true. It's been tested and retested for validity and reliability. And it is truly an amazing tool. So if you end up taking the test, you go into a field that's not recommended, chances are you're still going to have to go into that field in order to feel that level of comfort that the test is saying where you should be. Well, the interesting thing is there are lots of choices. None of us are programmed for just one thing. And the beauty of it is, as we look at and I read information from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and how the labor market is going to change over the next two decades, the beauty of the Highlands is that information that you learn about yourself, you can roll forward and morph into other things because your choices that it provides will continuously be updated, but they will always be accurate because your hardwiring isn't going to change. So am I right in saying, so basically for the high school student, you're using that as a tool to find the college that's going to offer the fields and the areas that are going to be most aligned with them. Those that are in college, you're looking to align them with the major that's going to be aligned with the Highlands. And then the career changer, for them, you're basically using it as a tool to see if they're currently in the right position for where they should be, and if not, help guide them to what the next move should be based upon that assessment. Is that fair? That's absolutely fair. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you talk about that 
pivot for the career changers. And one of the interesting things that's happened at the university level is there have been a lot of classes, like, I don't know, 12,000 or something classes over the last five years that have been added at different institutions around the country that are more certification oriented so that people who perhaps got a degree in one thing, but decide, oh, I would really be good at this. There's a certification I could get. There's a credential that I can help to put on my resume and perhaps secure a position in that direction. Yeah, I mean, even not even just credentials, I mean, pure degrees. Also, we just noticed we're going through the college planning process with my oldest right now. And one of the schools that he's looking at has a degree in sales, which when I went to school, there was no such thing as a degree in sales, but there's a need and a desire for people that are interested in that field. So I guess there is now a degree oriented to there. And I'm sure it's probably not going to be the first and it won't be the last where schools start creating these programs towards new and innovative tools to get degrees, not even just certifications, I would imagine. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are correct. Can you walk us through, just so we have like a real life example of either a high school student or a college student or a career changer where you had them go through this process with the Highlands and how you walk them through that process and where they ended up navigating? Sure. So (laughs) I have a young man who actually was a college student. Actually, he had been out in the workforce for a couple of years and he loved what he did. He had a dual major in civil engineering and architecture. And he enjoyed it, was living in Maryland, decided he wanted to take another step, but wasn't sure if he wanted to go architecture or civil engineering and didn't quite know how to go about figuring it out. He got my name. (laughs) So he went through a Highlands and showed that he was a little more toward the engineering side. But in the process of working with him, I learned that he was a foodie, loved wine, loved to travel, and had always wanted to live in New York. So went through the process through a mutual friend, found him an opportunity to go up to New York and interview for a potential job and with a global company so that potentially there might be travel. And he ended up getting the job. To countries that have good wine. (laughs) And I told him, I said, look, you scored really high on pitch discrimination on your highlands. When you get settled, you should think about getting your wine sommelier certification. I mean, you're in the land of food and wine. I mean, come on. So a couple of years later, I get an email that says, hey, Marla, can we reconnect? Absolutely. So he proceeds to tell me the story about how he got his certification. His boss found out about it. He got invited to the table when these big clients were coming in from overseas. And he was able to talk the engineering lingo, but he was their personal wine sommelier. He was a hit and his career took off. (laughs) Wow. Wow. But there's an example of finding balance moments and not realizing that they can have a big impact on what we do, either just our general satisfaction or that there's actually a merging of the two sometimes. Yeah, I will tell you that story went in a different direction than I thought. I thought there was going to be some change in direction of his career, but what a great way to be able to merge these two things and turn it into a huge success. I also see some great value in the fact that, especially with students who are in college who may be having an interest in two things, right, or two different areas, obviously there's a huge time and monetary aspect to pinpointing things down a little bit more narrowly. 
because how many people do we see are in college for four or five, even greater than five years, because they can't navigate where exactly they want to be, or they continue school after undergrad, continuing to find that that area that they like. So I see the value in being able to discern what you want to do and pinpoint that much more quickly. Boy, you raise such a great point, and it is one of my biggest pet peeves. We hear all the time about how expensive colleges are these days, and they are. There's no doubt about it. But when you hear of student loan debt in the trillions, my skin crawls because it's not all because colleges and universities are expensive. It's because people don't do their homework. 100%. And when you think the average state school, let's say $20,000 a year, okay, depending on where you are in the country, it could be more or less, but let's say 20000 So a semester is about 10. Well, if you are a statistic of national average right now of college students, you're going to change majors three to five times. On average, it costs a semester every time you change. So 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, $50,000 more to land where you ultimately could have done homework ahead of time and saved mom or dad $50,000 or let's say student loan debt. Sure. So I look at that loan debt number and I think if people did homework ahead of time, you would never buy a car or a house. And going to college is like buying a house. And so invest that money. Uh, listen, <laughs> Don't I agree spend with you. it. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people, if you will, for lack of a better term, at fault for the student loan debt. I think it's a combination of the universities themselves just being huge marketing and business machines. It's a combination of the students not being focused and knowing what and where they want to be. And it's also a combination of the amount of loans that are actually given. And then you combine that with the fact with the lack of education on the parents' side to really discern what's going to be in their, or even the student themselves, what's in their best interest and where they should go and how how much that education really should cost. Right. Like you said, people spend more time and effort and energy researching the car they're going to buy than the higher education institution they're going to send their child to, which to me is crazy. You mentioned the Highlands. We hear a lot, especially in the business world, you hear a lot about Colby, Myers-Briggs. There's a whole slew of assessments and, and personality type tests that are available. Are these tests or evaluations, however you want to term them, are they helpful too, or are they not as effective as a Highlands ability battery? I think they all have their place, but they measure different things. Those are more toward personality and behavioral kinds of things. So you would take those results and then you might want to take a class because you want to get better at something or something like that. But the Highlands is an ability measurement tool. It's like how you are naturally hardwired. You can't change that. By the time you go through puberty, it's pretty much set. I always tell people it's sort of like that little soft spot in the top of a baby's head. It's soft to start with, and eventually it comes together. Well, your natural abilities are kind of like that. And in fact, through the Highlands Company, we are not permitted to test anyone under the age of 14 without very special permission because the data, the background for the test supports that. 
And so when you look at that information and you think, well, how are they different? Well, the Highlands is different because you actually have to do something when you're taking the test. It's an online assessment and you're going to be clicking and dragging or typing words or it's not math or English, but you're actually doing things. Can you visualize this rotated another turn? What would it look like? Unlike the Colby or the Myers-Briggs or any of these others where you're self-evaluating. Would you rather do this or this? In this situation, how would you respond? So you're self-evaluating rather than having an external source evaluating what you're doing. So it's very different. Wow. So it's actually, there's conceptual parts to the Highlands where you're actually, it almost sounded like questions that I'd see on either like a GMAT or, or a business school type exam almost. Some of it is kind of similar, kind of similar, not that sort of mentally structured, right? but in some ways, very similar. Okay. So, so like it might give you a strip of pictures, seven pictures, and you have to decide which of those seven, three of them are somehow related. And you just click on them and then it gives you the next one. And you go through maybe six minutes of that. There are 19 different tasks that you go through and each task is timed differently. So some of, I think the shortest ones are four minutes and the longest ones are 10 minutes. But there are times you're going to want to pull your hair out, and there are times you think I could do this in my sleep. So when you said three hours, I guess that's the maximum time limit. Do most people finish more quickly than that? It takes you through the entire time. So if if a test is four minutes, they're in due four minutes worth. (laughs) You're not going to get out of it, whether you like it or not. (laughs) So I always tell tell my clients, know that you're going to feel really frustrated sometimes and know that you're going to feel like you could do it in your sleep sometimes. Just hang in there for whatever the time frame is and do what it puts in front of you. Right. So it's interesting because you work with almost this diverse group of people all the way from high schoolers to college to career changers. It's such a diverse group of people. And I would imagine that you see some commonalities. And obviously, you said that we're going to be there's going to be a shift in the labor force in the coming years. I think that's fairly clear. From your view, working with this diverse group, what are the biggest skill sets that you see missing from the groups that you work with? Is it common between all of them or are there specific skill sets for each of those groups that you see that there's almost a lack thereof within those areas that really are going to have to be focused on in the coming years in order to get these groups up to speed for that new wave in the labor force? Oh, that's an excellent question. And I think a lot of that is yet to be determined because, as you well know, the labor force right now is extremely challenged and has changed so radically from what the Bureau of Labor Statistics was projecting that I think that's going to look very different six months from now even. But I do say that two things are in common. Number one is time management. Whether it's a high school student, a college student, or an early workforcer, time management is a really big issue for them to grasp. And then the second one would be building relationships. And probably anybody successful in business would tell you that that's a key element. And that is no different. And I don't see it as being different. But what I see different is the influence of the digital age and building relationships and the impact of digital etiquette, let's say. Right. So I think those two things are key factors for people that are entering the workforce. And when we think in terms of the productivity rates and the disengagement rates that are out there, the digital influence is a big part of that. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it has an effect on the time management piece too, right? People Absolutely. They are intertwined. Yeah. I find it very interesting. We had a guest on our show. His name is Adam Connors. He's actually a very good friend of mine, runs a company called Network Wise. And basically, he teaches people how to network. And basically, he has this theory. And I don't think it's a theory. I think it's fact that your net worth is tied to your network. They're equal. And I agree with that. I think that had somebody sat down with me, I kind of did it just because it came naturally to me, building a network and relationships with people. But I think if somebody had sat down with me at a very early age and showed me what the importance of it, building those relationships were, I would have done even a better job and really done it more proactively and intentionally. And I can't impress upon our young people or anybody for that matter, because it's never too late to start a network. It's very important to do that. And they're a group of people that you could rely on no matter what. If you have that network, there's always something that you can go to and find. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. That's a great sort of connection to that whole relationship building thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So we got to get people back on to the Franklin Covey time management system. Well, maybe not that bad. (laughs) Uh, Seven habits of highly effective people get time management back and start building a network in order to fill those gaps that you see coming down, potentially down the pike. And I think you agree with me that those two things, regardless of where the labor force is going, regardless of where anything's going, those two things are always skills that'll come in handy no matter what. Absolutely. Most definitely. Yeah. Well, listen, Marla, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And we always end every show because this is the Midland Money Mindset. We ask every guest the same question, which is, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? I love that question. So I have a tagline, inspired by possibilities, driven by purpose. And I start and end my day with what I call purposeful prayers. My morning is always, it's almost like an ask. I ask for wisdom and I ask for whatever it is that my day has in store. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, my prayers are always gratitude. And I call the people by name. So this evening, your name is in my prayerful gratitude. But I find that by doing my bookend purposeful prayers, that it gives me great reflection on my days and the satisfaction that I have in the work that I do and the path that I have forged. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Marla. I appreciate you joining us. We're going to have all of your contact information in the show notes so people can find you online and through all the social media channels that you're on. And I just wanted to one more time, thank you again for being a guest and make it a great day. Larry, thank you so much. And you as well. Have a great day. I want to thank Marla Brady for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Marla took a life-altering event in her life and used it as a springboard to direct her skills to help high school and college students as well as career changers. She clearly sees time management and building a network as skills that are lacking in all these groups. These skills are helpful to everyone in every environment. Be sure to learn more about Marla Brady Consulting by visiting MarlaBrady.com and searching across all social media platforms. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. 
make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.